Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So today I'm going to continue the conversation. This is around expectations, but what this really falls into is if you didn't listen to episode number 290 on expectations that I have from my kids, you may want to go back and listen, but I'll do a a quick recap on that because it's been two weeks for those who didn't listen already and new information for anyone who hasn't heard yet, but you can dig in deeper if you want to go back and listen to that episode. But this is really about balancing raising kids who are kind and respectful, who aren't entitled, but who also who aren't afraid to show up as their full authentic selves, to show up in the world as who they are and be honest and unique and give the world the gifts that they were born to bring and follow their unique path. So we're talking about the other side of that today, um, about this part about how to empower our kids to follow that unique path, their unique voice. So... I'm going to start with this recap. In episode 290, I gave a list of what I call very open-ended expectations. And I consider these to be positive and expansive in that they can grow with the child and allow for individual differences in personalities, gifts, talents, and of course, age and development. I also shared these in a post on Instagram. So if you want to follow that account, it's Your Village Online is our Instagram account. Been a lot more active over there lately and trying to get more and more so as the days go on. Okay, so these are the expectations that I included in that post and in the previous episode. Number one, do your best. 
Your child's best at two is going to be different than their best at 10. One child's best in math is going to be different than another child's best in math. So it gives them room and us as parents room to guide and help them improve and understand their unique individual potential, their individual best in any given area. It removes pressure from perfectionism, and this will go across the board from hobbies and sports to cleaning up to bedtimes and morning routines. It gives a lot of flexibility while setting an expectation and a place for us to guide and coach about what that child's individual best might look like in that area, in different scenarios, at different times of day, depending on what's happening. The second expectation I have is be respectful. If kids are to grow into strong, independent adults, they absolutely need the ability to question and to even disagree with some of our rules or our boundaries. Giving them a safe space to do that is important, but also teaching them how to do so respectfully is just as important. It teaches important life skills like self-advocating, conflict resolution, cooperative problem solving, how we can work together to see if we can meet their wants and needs and the parents' wants and needs as well. Parents want kids to be healthy and safe and set up important habits. Kids want more independence. And if we can make room for that and still feel like our goals of keeping them safe and healthy are being met, then these are great negotiating opportunities. Teaching them how to approach a situation respectfully will give them huge advantages in life. Now, of course, this looks very different at two or three than it will later, but we're going to set the foundation early and often. There is an entire episode I could actually go into this. Um, How do we do this? So actually, I'm going to put that on the agenda right now. How we help kids learn to advocate for themselves respectfully at different ages and what that's going to look like and how we can coach them at different ages. Okay, but the third one I have is take responsibility for your choices and their outcomes. This empowers kids because when we take responsibility for our own choices, we therefore take responsibility for the outcomes of that choice. We get to have power over how we behave the next time. Therefore, we get power over a different outcome the next time. This is awesome. (laughs) So again, I went into more detail on this in episode 290 how I worked on this with one of my kids in particular, because this was a real struggle of his. Okay. And then the fourth one is about independence, meaning I want my kids to do for themselves anything they're capable of doing. Even if they think they can't, I want them to give it a shot before asking for help. And I have a process for having my kids break things down into steps, letting me know which of those steps they can accomplish on their own and where they feel they need some additional guidance and support so that I can then scaffold them towards becoming even more self-sufficient rather than just having them say, I can't do, I can't make a case idea. Will you do it for me? Okay. Well, they could get out the tortillas. They could get out the cheese. They could get out the pan. Now my daughter will actually cook it for herself. My son's not so much, but um, we're working towards that. But rather than just doing the entire thing for them, they can start to take on some of these tasks. And this is how we can hand that off to them as they age. Okay. So now that I've reviewed four of the open-ended expectations I have for my kids, it's time to dig deeper into the expectations I don't have and why and how to navigate this if they resonate with you and the way that you want to guide your child in the world. So the expectations I don't have for my kids revolve around letting go of people-pleasing behaviors. 
Now, I've talked about this in previous episodes. I wish I had written down the episode number off the top of my head, but if you go back and look at codependency, you can find the episode I did it, I think just a month ago, maybe in maybe in the last six weeks, about codependency, and you can see why people-pleasing behaviors, where they come from, especially if you were prone to this growing up and still are, or if you saw that in your household. Um, this is very, very common in families, so there's a lot of detriments to that. So I'm working to release and relieve my kids of those types of behaviors and expectations for themselves, of succumbing to pressures outside of themselves in ways that feel uncomfortable or contrary to their core values, their personal safety and well-being especially, or even to their own goals and happiness. Now, this can be tough to navigate and balance because we're not talking about, I don't want to take a math test today, or I don't want to eat broccoli today. We're not talking about that. <laughs> we're, talking about, um, we're talking about something very different here. So that's what we're going to dig into. So like I shared two episodes ago, it's an important base for this concept I'm going to talk about today because I believe we all come into this world, into this life, having a strong internal sense of who we are, what we want to learn, what brings us joy, what our innate gifts and talents are, really into our own intuition. Not only that, we also have a pretty strong sense of right and wrong when people are overstepping their boundaries and into ours. And you see this in toddlers a lot of times. I'm not saying every tantrum is about people overstepping their boundaries, but sometimes it is, and they just don't know how to express that. So these are some really important things to think about, to dig into, to help them work on, help them help advocate for themselves. So this is what we're going to talk about today. Um, so let's start at the top of the list of expectations I don't have, and we will get down more into this one in particular about uh, helping kids advocate for themselves in times and areas where they feel like they're being disrespected, their boundaries are being crossed over, or especially into uh, something that feels unsafe and uncomfortable. But the first expectation I have is I don't expect my kids to win. I don't expect them to win the game, to get the highest grade or the test score, to get the most goals, to be at the top or win the top in any competition. Becoming our best selves is really about being better than we were yesterday. Now, this doesn't mean your kids won't win. It doesn't mean they won't get the best score. Often they will. It's really about the expectation being put on that. So when my kids get a personal best or they work hard and do really well in school or they surprise themselves how their efforts paid off on some test or something else or in the piano or in a sport, that's exciting. But I don't ever want them to feel pressure to perform from me. I don't want them to feel like that is coming from me. I want it to be internal. Now, I'm going to go into an example here. I promise this totally relates and it's an exact example of this concept. And you can see how across the board, they, this might look differently kid to kid. So our kids came home last week with their report cards. The older brother is naturally a very strong student. He gets straight A's. He makes the honor roll. I even joked with him after the second trimester that his A minus in PE was the only A minus he got because he'd broken his wrist and he couldn't participate for six weeks. He had to write reports about exercise science and physiology instead of actually participating, which is not his favorite. So he didn't do as well in PE as he would have if he had actually just done the PE program. But I joked with him how oh, this just wouldn't do, this A minus just won't do. So his younger sister has to work harder at school, but she sets a very high bar for herself. And she met it. She had a glowing report card and she read it out loud to us. All the accolades from the teacher in every area, her high test scores, 
and she did end up scoring second highest in the class on her math test, which is not her strong suit at all. Now her twin brother can struggle academically in some areas. He doesn't like to write essays or do research or write reports or give ex the expected supporting details in written reports. Even though he can shine in some areas like math and reading and science, if he's interested in what is being taught, he's just not as self-motivated unless it's something that really grabs his attention. So he was very apprehensive to show me his report card. He often gets remarks about his behavior, his focus, etc. And I didn't know he was feeling so stressed out about it until we sat down and went over it. He actually had a very nice report card this time, and we'd been working with him and with the teacher on the areas where he needed improvement, especially with his behavior, especially with focus, especially for asking for help, supporting details in his writing. So after we read through the report card, he broke down in tears. And when I asked him about it, it turns out these were tears of relief. I asked him if he was afraid that he might have let me down or if he had let himself down or might have let himself down. And he said both. So I wanted to make this really clear to him. I told him that no matter what happens with his grades, I will always love him. He's not going to be perfect. We will continue to learn together about how to best support his education and make sure he has the tools, the understanding of expectations from teachers to continue to improve so that by the time he gets to high school, he will have what he needs, his repertoire, know how to reach out and ask for help if he's struggling, tools for studying, tools for the way that he needs to learn best. All kids are different. Some kids will shine in one area and some kids won't, or some kids will have to work harder. Chandler shines doing projects in science or social studies that are hands-on, that he can really dig into, that if he can give an oral report, he will shine. So I wanted to make sure that the stresses and the, the, the stresses and the pressure that he puts are from himself and not feeling pressure from me to, for any kind of perfectionism or any kind of high marks or any kind of particular bar that he needs to reach. Of course, I expect good behavior. I expect him to be respectful of his teachers and we work on the things when he's struggling. So one of the basic tenets of positive discipline is that not just kids actually, but people do better when they feel good about themselves. People who don't feel good about themselves, who don't feel valued, who don't feel understood, who don't feel good enough, don't feel like they're smart enough, don't feel like they can figure it out like the other people or the kids can, feel like they can't live up to expectations, they will generally engage in less than savory behaviors. Now there's four reasons for this. One is attention. I never get good attention. I only get it when I do something wrong and get in trouble. So I'm just going to keep playing into the cycle. That's one. Second reason can be for power. When kids don't feel like they have enough autonomy or ownership over themselves, their day, the way that they do things, when they do things, what they do, they will seek power. The third can be for revenge. Now this often comes in when kids don't feel heard or understood. You hurt me. You didn't listen to me. You drove over my feelings. So I'm going to hurt you back because now I'm mad and now I'm hurt and now I want revenge. I want you to hurt like I did. The last reason is feelings of inadequacy. If I can't do it right, why should I even try? I give my very best and it's never good enough. So I might as well just do my very least and throw it in. It's a whole lot easier. It's better than giving my very best, but feeling like I'm not doing well enough anyway. 
So if I'm going to get in trouble, I might as well get it for not working very hard. So going in, when we set up this environment of do your personal best, and I will guide you, I will support you, I will scaffold you without any pressure on them to win or be at the top or be the best, is the best way to empower our kids to give their personal best and to build healthy self-esteem while also diminishing the tendencies of perfectionism. Now, this is one of these areas where I want to invite you as a parent to think about your own experience around this, both as a child and now. Do you have perfectionistic tendencies? If so, do you have any idea where they stem from? What experiences did you have that made you think you were supposed to be perfect or to strive for perfection? There's a lot of reasons behind this that we can grow up with or we can get just in general from society or from our families of origin. And this is another area we could dig into in a whole podcast of its own. So we'll do that one too in the future. But this is just something to think about right now. How does it present for you now? If you do, if you don't, that's great. Um, I have some percentages. I wish I had that. I wasn't thinking about talking about perfectionism. I have some percentages and I'll talk about that when we do the, uh, I want to say 20% of the population, but I I think it's somewhere around there, um, has high perfectionism, tends to be very perfectionistic. So um, we'll talk about that more when we do the episode on perfectionism. But just think about that. If you don't, great. Um, I certainly do. What messages do you think it might send to your kids when they see your perfectionism? How does it exhibit itself in your, in your family or for yourself. And when your kids see it, what do you think that tells them? What kind of messages is it sending? And again, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus because I also struggle with perfectionism. So I just invite you to take a look at it. If it's something you think might be beneficial to look into. Okay. I have three more expectations I don't have for my kids. And I'm going to share those right after a word from our sponsors. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads, love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important, but did you know indoor air quality can be up to a hundred times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. 
Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Now that we're back, the second expectation I don't have for my kids is to fit in. I want them to be their beautiful, glorious, authentic selves. For my daughter, this is her sweet but sometimes sassy nature. Although we do work on appropriate ways, times, and scenarios for expressing such sassiness. (laughs) For her twin Chandler, he is as quirky and strange as they come. One of those ways it exhibits is when he talks about his latest passion nonstop. Right now, it's cars, and it can be a bit much. Drive on the road, and he will tell you what car that is and what kind of engine it is, and it can be a bit much, every single car. But I wouldn't want him any other way. And my oldest is silly, very, very silly, very happy. His brother and sister call him annoying, and I can see that. (laughs) I can see why they say that. But I am thrilled that my 13-year-old who moved to a new town, whose parents got separated, who is going through a pandemic, moved to this new town, made new friends, joined tennis and volleyball, and is just so darn happy. There is nothing better, no bigger relief to a parent than kids, and especially adolescents, who are actually genuinely happy. Now, I also don't expect my kids to dress to fit in. My boys dress like slobs. I don't expect them to choose hairstyles to fit in. My younger son actually wanted to grow his hair out, so we let him. Doesn't affect anything. Doesn't affect the way he goes through the day. Doesn't affect the way he learns. He wants to grow his hair out. It actually looks very nice. My daughter's curly hair is almost always in constant disarray. (laughs) Now, if your kids are still young, this often looks like a kooky combination when it comes to clothing. Mismatched clothing, whether it's shorts with a sweater or boots with shorts or the color combinations or pattern combinations or a crazy hairstyle with lots of silly brats and, um, you know, ponytail holders, you name it. Or it can look like boys painting nails. Actually, both my boys enjoyed this when they were toddlers, especially Chandler. Or even wanting to dress or play dress up or imaginative play outside of gender norms. This is very common at these young ages, as they are in most cases not yet bound by societal norms. I actually have pictures of both of my boys acting silly in princess dresses, and I have a picture of my older son going to Home Depot in one of those like tulle kind of fairy skirts. They generally will grow out of it. My boys both grow out of it. Don't want anything to do with nail polish or dresses anymore, but it's 
not just okay, but it's actually very healthy to let them play around with this and not make any kind of a big deal about it. I don't expect them to follow any particular path towards their future. I don't have expectations for college, although I'm pretty sure that at least two of them will probably choose that route. I expect them to follow their guidance, make informed decision about their path forward, where they want to go, who they want to be, what they want to do with our guidance when they ask for our help and say, this is where I want to go and we will help them get there and we'll help them understand what that means, what that looks like to get there. There are so many paths to success now. It's incredible. You know, I want them to learn to connect with their passions, their guidance and follow it. No more boxes, no more one way or the right way to do things. No more shoving their own interests aside for something more lucrative or practical. We're now living in a world where some doctors and lawyers can be suffocating under debt while there are surfboard engineers traveling the world and working at the beach making bank. If they're passionate about medicine or law, by all means, follow it. You can do very well, obviously, in those careers. But if they're not interested, chances are they may not do so well. But if they're interested in the mechanics of surfboards and they want to figure out how to travel and make money, these things are very possible now more than they ever have been. The third expectation I have is I don't expect them to accept being treated with disrespect. Generations past, mine included and yours probably as well, we've been taught to respect authority, respect adults. Now this isn't bad, but it is when it's no matter what because this can be dangerous and it even can put them at risk for becoming victims of different kinds of abuse. We think things like, well, I'm supposed to respect my coach, my uncle, what have you, whoever, who wouldn't, he wouldn't hurt me. She wouldn't hurt me. She's an authority. He's an authority. I really need to listen to them. I'm supposed to be respectful. And they start pushing those boundaries slowly over time. And so some adults will start to push through those boundaries slowly over time to see how far they can go. So this is why I I talk about this. This can be a difficult balance because like other parents who want to raise kind, respectful humans, I'm not giving my kids permission to be disrespectful, entitled, or rude, but I am giving them permission to set their boundaries and say, no, I don't like that. That doesn't feel right to me, or this is unjust or what have you about situations that do carry that kind of weight whether it's about their own body boundaries, emotional boundaries, or when they feel someone else is being treated unfairly. I want them to feel empowered to step up and say something. Now, the fourth one really falls right in line with the third one. And this is, I don't expect my kids to do anything that doesn't feel right to them, that doesn't sit well with them, no matter who told them to do it. Now, again, Here's the balance. We're not talking about, I don't want to take a math test today. I don't want to put my toys away. It doesn't feel good to me. That's not what we're talking about. I don't want to eat my broccoli. We're talking about when this really feels inside, it feels icky. It feels off. It feels uncomfortable. Like there is something not right about this, what I'm being asked to do or what this person is doing to me right now or has done to my friend or is telling my friend to do. They're being very disrespectful. No, so we've all heard the encounters for young girls and young boys, whether it's sports teams, youth organizations, a lot of other scenarios, empowering kids to know what situations feel like and that they are a reality, that kids often have their boundaries pushed over, sometimes just unknowingly, but sometimes very knowingly. And what does this feel like? What does this look like? And making yourself a safe space to come and talk about that 
So this is why I have this expectation. If somebody is saying or doing something to you that feels really uncomfortable, I want you to come and talk to me. I want you to know that it's not okay. It is okay for you to say, I am not okay with the way you're treating me right now. I am not comfortable with the situation. I'm going to get up and leave and go find a safer space. These are all okay things to do and important things to do. So, and it's, we're not just talking about sexual abuse. And I've been in those situations as a kid several times. And it feels weird because I was never talked to about these things. It's like, is this really happening? Or there, it must be me. I must be bad. I thought I could trust adults. So my radar must be off or I must be reading this wrong. Um, I remember I had a daycare provider who had all the kids gather around me, gang up on me when I had a potty accident during a nap. I was three years old and had a potty accident during a nap. And she had all the other kids make fun of me for it. Um, in addition, I had sexual abuse by a teenage relative. And had I known and had I been spoken to about these, had it been described, and had the other adults in my life know how prevalent these occurrences can be and how to open up a dialogue with me, I would have understood and felt prepared to go to a parent or another trusted adult with these issues. So these are important conversations and important balances to teach kids about how to be respectful that we expect them to give respect, but we also expect that they will also be treated with respect and what to do if they ever feel like they are not. This falls into body autonomy when it comes to hugs or kisses too. It's hard to let our kids say no to Aunt Trish when she's expecting a hug, but a child should be allowed to say no if they aren't in the mood, if they aren't feeling it. Hugs or kisses should never be required. The best way to handle these situations is to offer alternatives, high fives, fist bumps, waves, say hello, any other number of ways of saying hello, offering an alternative that still has an expectation of being polite and greeting friends or family, but also doesn't expect them to bowl over their own body boundaries if they're just not feeling like having a hug right now or a kiss. So these are all important ongoing conversations throughout childhood, and we're going to start these pretty young. So in summary... I want my kids to have a very different experience than I did. I was taught that children were seen and not heard, that children always respected adults, that you always listened, you always did what you were told. I don't want them to have to experience that. I don't want them to ever feel pressured to take a big life step because of pressures. You know, just one thing, I don't want them to ever feel pressured to take a big life step because of pressure or expectation that comes from outside of them. I want them to feel empowered to follow their own path to listen to their intuition about everything, anything, whether they feel uncomfortable or whether college isn't the path for them, or if they just feel uncomfortable with certain situations. The world now and going forward is ripe with opportunity to live incredibly rich, adventurous, interesting, unique lives, and people can be very successful in almost anything now. However, in order to take advantage of these opportunities, there is a level of awareness, maturity, and emotional intelligence that our kids will need in order to take full advantage of these opportunities. So this is exactly why starting early in their lives in toddlerhood, getting a solid hold on healthy relationship dynamics, healthy boundaries and expectations are so important. And it all really starts right there. And just speaking of emotional intelligence, last week's episode, if you didn't hear it, I had an amazing guest on who this is her life's work is teaching emotional intelligence and really changing that dynamic and paradigm for the next generation. So you can listen to last week's episode, episode number 291 on raising emotionally intelligent humans. If you want to know more about that. Also, the episode I did on codependency talks about that as well. 
Okay, if you want to dig deeper into raising kids who are emotionally strong and healthy, any of the discipline classes will set a solid foundation for this. The two self-esteem classes or for empowering kids to become independent, self-motivated problem solvers, the classes raising responsible kids and teaching a growth mindset, along with all 60 classes on the website at yourvillageonline.com. Also, if you're interested, don't forget to follow on Your Village Online on Instagram. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Thank you.